love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Woman Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, do you know what was originally supposed to be happening this week? Oh, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it, Haley, actually, but this must be the week that should have been the Ironman World Championships in Kona, huh? You are correct. Um, I I thought about it a little bit last weekend, last Saturday, because I think for some reason, like in my Google calendar or something like it had, like my flight was still in there, even though I had changed it. And, um, but it like came up and I was like, what is this? And I was like, Honolulu, what? I was like, oh, oh yeah, I was supposed to be flying to Hawaii this week. But um, of course, the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii is not happening this Saturday. This would normally be like a big preview show. And, you know, we'd be like, well, I probably should wouldn't be drinking a Mai Tai, but I'd be drinking like some Mai Tai flavored noon, getting ready for a race on the big island, but it's not happening. Instead, that race has now been postponed to May of 2022 and moved to St. George, Utah. So uh, life is is full of surprises these days. <laughs> I know. I, I can imagine that calendar update popping up on your phone and you'd be like, wait, I'm late for a flight. Like I have 10 minutes to get to the airport. Like, what am I going? Like, what's going on? That would... Once you realize, though, it was for that, it wouldn't be as fun because you weren't going to Honolulu or to Kona. Yes. But you know what, Alyssa? It This has been one of the nicest falls in Montana in recent years in Bozeman, and it's just been so beautiful. The smoke lifted. Uh, we haven't gotten our usual September snow, which from probably a drought perspective is not good, but from a trail running, riding, bike riding outside perspective is fantastic. I were at to ride outside today and I was warm. I get to watch like all the trees changing leaves. And I know that you are in new England and new England's supposed to be like all the best, but I'm like the leaves around Montana in a year when it doesn't snow too early are quite spectacular and beautiful. So I am enjoying this week and the amazing fall weather. I think if we were, you know, snowed in, I might be, you know, regretting my Hawaiian vacation a little bit more, but you know, these days we take things as they come. And right now I'm just appreciating this fall gloriousness. It is super nice in new England right now. I have to say watching the leaves changing. I was actually, I forgot to talk about this last week, but Haley, I did a race this past weekend. I think I saw on uh, social media. Yeah. Before, before the Instagram outage, I did post about it, but, um, and I was racing, uh, it's called the Stockville and we have had Abby Perkis, who is one of the race directors for Rootstock Racing's race, the Stockville. Um, she's been on the podcast a couple times actually. And, um, so it is, the Stockville isn't a true like adventure race, but it is a row gain as what it's called. So it's like a two day navigation race on foot. And it's modeled after a race that is called the original mountain marathon that happens in Europe. And, um, that race is like, yeah, a two day format where you're navigating, you're on foot, you're carrying some sleeping supplies and you basically get to like a mid camp after day one. And then on day two, you wake up and navigate your way back kind of to the start. Right. And so it's a super fun format for people who like orienteering and navigation and, 
trail running and hiking and things like that. Um, and I did it in 2018 when I was just getting into navigating. Uh, I did it with my friend Courtney and it wasn't a catastrophic failure that year, but we realized that we were in way over our heads. And luckily we teamed up with some great people who are now great friends of ours. And in the past three years, I've learned as much as I can from those people. And I got to go back this year, which was really fun. Um, unfortunately, Courtney wasn't my partner this year. I think she didn't love it quite as much as I did. But um, my boyfriend, Matt, was my partner this year. And, you know, we have done a few adventure races racing as a team and kind of been ironing out like how the team dynamic works when you're, you know, racing with your partner. And um, this was like a very successful weekend. I have to say we worked really well together. Um, I think our communication has come a long way. Like we just had a really great dynamic the whole weekend and Haley, we ended up winning, which was really cool. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. From catastrophic so, failure to victory in just three years. So you guys, like... if you are interested in this kind of thing, you can absolutely learn the skill. And you know, the other adventure races we have done, I will say Matt's been the head navigator and I've kind of been along for the ride trying to keep up. Um, we split things not quite evenly, but like, I was like chiming in more with beating like the head navigator for certain points. I was offering a valuable perspective at times as to what we should do and choose and things like that. And that helped us a lot. And so I'm not really sure how I've improved so much, especially recently, because I guess I've been thinking about it, but I don't think thinking about things really improves skills like too, too much, but it's not like I've been spending a ton of time practicing or reading books, but I think the cumulative effect of having some experience over the last three years and putting myself in positions where I've needed to like experience hands-on, I'm a hands-on learner, I guess, but it's paid off and that's really exciting. So we had a good time in the woods, got to experience some Pennsylvania fall foliage and um, got to catch up with some, some good friends. So definitely an event I always would recommend to people if you are interested in, in the navigation adventure stuff. Congratulations on your win. Congratulations on furthering the thought that consistency and practice pay off. And maybe do you think you were like a little bit more like tapered for this, like even mentally tapered because you kind of got through your racing block this year when before maybe you were trying to mix it up with races, with triathlon races, well, I should say. Yeah. That's um that's interesting point. I'm not sure. I think I survived on a lot of muscle memory and I definitely was like quite rested. Um so since I raced Ironman Lake Placid, I haven't really done much structured training at all. Um I mentioned, you know, a couple months ago that I felt like I was having some health problems happening during that time block. Um and I can definitely, you know, start to talk about it a little bit more now. I think we figured out that I had Lyme disease um, and I was able to do some testing through August, figure that out, get treated for that with the antibiotics. And um, I also had a co-infection called Babesia. Um, and so I'm like in the middle of the antibiotics for that. And one week, you know, it's two weeks, I'm one week left. And basically Haley, I am happy to report that last week was my first week back to structured training. I have my energy back. I'm feeling so much better. I'm feeling a lot more like my old self. Um, it's not a super fun thing to go through and ticks are kind of rampant, not only in new England, but also where I came from in Virginia and that sort of thing. We're not totally sure of the timeline of when I picked it up, but it does seem like we've nipped it in the bud and I've turned the corner. And so I did like, yeah, so it was, it was tricky. Like I had to go to, you know, my coach 
Hillary Biscay and be like, um, I know you haven't really been writing a plan for me and I've been doing whatever I want for the last like six weeks, but I'm ready to get back to structured play to structured training. And also I'm racing the first two weekends of October with these like adventure races types of things <laughs> that are like pretty extreme endurance events. So, um, you know, good luck with that. But luckily, you know, that's what, that's uh, why I hired her and she figured out, yeah, obviously how to just kind of ease me back in seamlessly, I guess. Nice. So congratulations on being back in structured training, but wait, all right, does that mean this is race week again? <laughs> yes. So I am racing a 24 hour adventure race this weekend, Haley. It starts at, I think 10 AM on Saturday, it goes to 10 AM on Sunday. Matt and I are racing together and we're bringing in a third ter- teammate. So we did like a two man adventure race in May. Um, and it, it was good, but like we could see the value of why the three and four man teams are so popular in adventure racing and why that's like the real like category to compete in. Four person teams. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But so we're, we're bringing in um, Matt's, Matt's friend from college, Will, and Will, I know Will pretty well. He's, he paced me. He was like one of my crew members on the long trail when I ran the long trail and we've done some, he went to Boundary Waters with us last month. So I know Will pretty well. I think we can race together for 24 hours. So I think it's, it'll be fun. It's just a local, like an hour North of us in Vermont. So um, again, we're going to get to see like peak foliage. So very excited to be outside doing this right now. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm pumped to hear that you are, you know, have the energy for this and have the mental capacity. You're feeling good training, getting out there in this wonderful time of year. And, uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing how that one goes next week. Good luck again. Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, we'll see how the racing through the night goes last, last time that wasn't exactly our specialty. So, um, I'm excited to give it another go. Um, but Haley, what have you been up to in Montana? Anything special, you know, have you been like doing more unstructured training since Kona has now been announced that your Kona will be St. George in May? Oh gosh. I mean, I'm a little bit of a mess, I think, because I, I took a little break after Slovakia cause I was thinking, okay, I need to be ready in February. Cause that was when Kona was originally rescheduled. And so I kind of had a plan for how to like race into February and now it's May. So obviously that changed a little, honestly, I haven't, I'm, I've been unstructured training and I am like enjoying, I I'm enjoying having a little bit more time February. It didn't feel rushed necessarily from a time perspective, but more from a weather perspective and the days getting shorter. And it's just, I, I enjoy the Northern hemisphere calendar year, like perspective of our sport that typically happens. I realize that is a very nice thing to let like most of the time, a lot of our biggest races are in the Northern hemisphere fall, but I, um, so anyway, I mean, yeah, so I don't know exactly what I'm doing. right now. I'm, I'm getting myself back in shape. I'm easing myself back in shape. And I just found out I have a couple more months than I thought I did, which I'm just going to take as a good thing. I mean, if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's be flexible, take opportunities when they happen. And I, I did book a place to stay in St. George. So that's exciting. That was fun. Um, And, you know, I'm working on a few other things and just kind of seeing how races play out. Like I won't race another Ironman before between then, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll probably jump in some races. Just haven't quite figured out which ones. So I'll I'll figure it out. To play until May, right? Because I, I pulled it up. I think last week, the Ironman, at least pro schedule is only out till December, right? So it's not like you, I don't think we even know necessarily what's going to be happening in that lead up time from January to May, right? Or have they posted anything? Right. 
I don't think so. And then also it's a little bit like, I, I, you know, when I've raced in early in the year in the past, it's like, you've gone to like the Southern hemisphere and obviously that isn't quite as, as easy to pop down there. I mean, never was easy, but, um, now it's, you know, exceptionally difficult. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll manage, I'll manage. It's fine. I'm healthy. I'm fit. I'm having a good time training and having a good time podcasting. So taking everything one day at a time. Well, I mean, podcasting is where it's at, so that's good to hear. <laughs> um, but Haley, we have a couple housekeeping things. Um, one, our mailbag still empty this week, everyone. So if you have questions for Haley and me uh, about anything, mailbag is wide open. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, shoot us a message, and we will chat about that on the air. And Haley, uh, have you heard any updates about the outspoken summit that's coming up in November? I well, I saw who the opening keynote speaker is. It's Olympic bronze, bronze and silver medalist, Katie Zafiris. So she won Olympic bronze in the individual triathlon in Tokyo and then the silver in the mixed relay as part of team USA. And she's going to be the opening keynote speaker and I believe like she will be there in person in Tempe. And I think if you're there, you also get to go to a, like a meet and greet happy hour with Katie after that opening keynote speech. So definitely might be worth uh, making that trip if you want to meet Katie Zafiris in person. I, I have had the pleasure of meeting her in person, Alyssa, and it's worth the trip. She's a gem. <laughs> She's so fun to talk to. And I, I'm excited about that opening keynote. And um, so if you want those tickets, they are at OutspokenSummit.com. Again, it's in Tempe, Arizona at the Graduate Hotel, November 12th through 14th, which we believe is the weekend before Ironman Arizona. It's the same weekend as Collegiate Nationals. It's a great, great time to be in Arizona for sure. That's super exciting. Um, I love that Katie will be the keynote speaker. She she grew up kind of near where I grew up, Haley. So not too shocking to me that she's a, she's a good one. Um but it, <laughs> it's just something in the water in Baltimore, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just makes you like to swim, bike and run. And, uh, she just clearly got like the faster water <laughs> than I did channeled to her house, but it's all good. I won't hold that against her. Um, and Haley, we have a really fun interview for people today. We are chatting with Tara Grosvenor. She's a professional triathlete from the UK she popped into the pro triathlon scene right before the COVID-19 pandemic. So we talked to her a bit about how that went with that interruption um, kind of in her rookie pro season. We also catch up with her on her busy summer of racing, which included three top 10 finishes in Ironman and 70.3 racing. And of course, what she has her eye on coming up. So get to know Tara a bit more after a word from our sponsors. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all-season job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, Betwixt chamois cream. Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 15% off. That's right. Get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IRONWOMEN. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. 
We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. Hey, Haley, it's officially fall and I am drinking my noon hydration immunity. Haha, <laughs> Alyssa, I love a good pun and a good warm fall beverage, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new Immunity 3 product? What does the 3 stand for? It stands for vitamins, electrolytes, and prebiotics, the three keys to staying healthy and hydrated this season. Noon Hydration Immunity 3 comes in mandarin, orange, and superberry flavors, and all Iron Women podcast listeners can get 30% off Immunity 3 and the whole line of Noon Hydration products by using the code STAYFEISTY at NoonLife.com. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, it's nice to, uh, and it's nice to be, be here, and uh, thank you for having me. So you're joining us after a pretty big August of racing. Uh, you were eighth place, I believe, at Ironman Finland earlier in August. And then two weeks later, you followed that up with seventh place at Ironman 70.3 Zell MC. And Ironman Finland was a new race venue, I think. And it looks like it suited you quite well. You came away with the second fastest run of the day for women. So let's start there. Um, I know that you were ultimately came in. 9 29 hours and 29 minutes for eighth place so that was like a really fast day to be sub 9 30 and you know top 10 eighth place but you know the women were, were definitely moving on that day so did it feel quite fast from the start of the race um so actually it wasn't probably as fast as i was hoping it was going to be um so i had a pretty good swim uh, i came out with another one of the girls uh, svenja toes uh so i think i was fifth out the water um, but when I got onto the bike, my legs, uh, didn't really, didn't really play the, play the game. So I fell back on the bike, I think second to last, I rode the second lap with Lenny, which was really nice. Uh, Lenny Ramsey, really nice to have some company on that second lap because the course was, uh, quite lonely. Um, especially with the lack of like males, male pros racing as well. You know, it was just the women up the front and a few age groupers, which was nice because obviously we had the course to ourselves, but it, it was quite a lonely course. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I knew I had a lot of work to do coming into the run and I knew my day also couldn't get much worse. So um, basically changed my legs in transition and and gave it my all on the run. And as you say, I think the run suited me really well. Um, being sort of more of a runner than a biker, I think it shows from my results that actually that run course was great because it was it was a little bit harder. It was a lot of off road, um, lots of ups and downs. Um, and then the weather being a little bit cooler actually helped me as well. Um, we actually got some pretty heavy rain towards the end of the run, which which took some some of the girls out, which was really, really sad to see, but benefited me probably being from the UK and, and being used to training in those conditions. So. And did you plan to race the 70.3 a couple weeks later? Because um, or was that something you threw in? Because I know, you know, coming off a really fast run split like that for a marathon it's hard to, you know, it makes that recovery 
quite difficult coming out of Ironman in general is a long day to recover from. But then when you have like, you know, a run that you wanted to have, the recovery can be really tough. So I think you had two weeks in between those. Is that right? Yeah, two weeks between. So this year with COVID and, and still the travel restrictions sort of lingering on, it's been a bit of an up and down year in terms of planning. Um, I was also meant to be racing Bolton um, earlier in the year but I actually got um, gastroenteritis a few days before um, so I was actually unable to race that race despite being there on the course on the day after a visit to hospital <laughs> it was um, yeah I was I just couldn't race an Ironman so and then I got a few issues with my calves so Finland was actually kind of wasn't going to happen until a week before and then yeah Zelamzi was a bit of an experiment race uh definitely wasn't in the plan at all but I had a friend um staying I was staying with in Samaritz so my recovery actually happened at altitude after Ironman which was maybe not the best after speaking to uh to some of the other people that that know about altitude um but yeah so I went back up to altitude and then um grabbed my friend and we went over to Zelamzi together which was which was super nice and and we we raced that course together as a bit of an experiment racing backing up uh 2 weeks after and it it worked fairly well by my results so yeah has every race you've done this year been in the rain because I'm just like going through the list of things and I'm like all of these seem like they had a lot of weather <laughs> Yeah, it's been, I was actually talking to a friend about that the other day. It's been funny because up until now, I've actually had all my races being almost like perfect conditions and beautiful sunshine and no sort of real weather considerations, particularly despite racing some courses that maybe would come with some caution. So like South Africa, for example, and even Kona, I got like the year where it wasn't windy um, as an age grouper. So yeah, I've had a really good luck, uh, like run of luck. And then this year, yeah, Tulsa was a bit wet. <laughs> And uh, Finland was very wet and cold. And then Zelamzi, um, I mean, I can't describe the conditions. They were just horrendous before the race. Um, I've never been so cold um, or scared, actually, to start a course because, of course, the you know, there was actually snow falling on the mountains um, before we started around us. Um, and it was six degrees uh, where we were at the start line and it was torrential rain for two hours before. So like all the pro girls were just shaking and shivering. Um, I actually raced um, with a foil blanket uh, shoved down the front of my tri-suit, um, which worked pretty well. Uh, and then some layers as well on the bike. So, yeah, it's been it's been a an interesting year of weather <laughs> for sure. And you did originally race in the U.S. this spring. You raced Florida 70.3 and then Ironman Tulsa. How much time had you spent in the States prior to this trip and how was your experience? Um, so I actually got to Haynes only a few days before. I had a pretty bumpy ride out there. I, I flew in in the middle of a storm into Miami and like 50 flights were cancelled and it was chaos in the airport. Um, so I had an interesting journey out. I had about five days in Florida um, before I went down to race Haynes. Um, and that went that didn't go so great after a, an English winter and no heat acclimatization at all and and still some lingering jet lag. I'd also had some run injuries, so I haven't been <laughs> doing a huge amount of running. So it was, I think, a personal worst half marathon in that race. Um, I think I cooked myself completely on the bike and yeah, things just went a bit downhill from there. Um, and then Tulsa was really interesting. Like I've never been there. I don't think it's a place you would visit unless you were going to race. Um, 
but it was so nice to have some sort of certainty around actually getting a race in um, and also having the depth of the field as well so it seemed like everyone in the world ended up wanting to race Tulsa because it was the first race that had sort of any certainty around it which was kind of nice but also a little petrifying because of course we'd not raced for so long so yeah it was an interesting uh, road back into full full distance racing. Did you struggle at all kind of with the mental side like you know no one had really raced too much in 2020 and then you come out to race in Florida early season 2021 you know and you say you had like the worst half marathon you think you've run in a 70.3 and so you know you you obviously knew you had kind of maybe not the training and the heat and like, you know, with injuries and things like that. But how did you kind of manage that mental side to be like, I know I can do it and like, you know, stay the course and get strong for Tulsa? Um, so if I'm honest, uh, there was a lot of naivety going into into Haynes. I actually hadn't really considered the fact that it was going to be 100 degrees uh, and, you know, 100% humidity. I think it was on the day. So it was it was a bit ignorance was bliss but when I got into that half marathon I had two options right and and one of them was to quit and and to stand off the course and the other one was to show myself that mentally despite having a terrible day I could get through that race and I've struggled a bit with mental sort of the mental side of racing in the past and so it was really important for me to to race and continue and get to that finish line because I really didn't want a DNF into Tulsa um lingering over me so yeah despite coming I think second to last in that race it was actually a really valuable experience um to 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 get to that finish line and have other girls beat me right and and not be on my best day but know that there was more there and just accepting the situation and I actually had a lot of fun talking some of the age groupers while I was walking the wrong course (laughs) you know it's you see a different side of racing when you're in that state so yeah it was fun And then how do you turn things around? You just had a few weeks between that race and Tulsa. And then obviously, spoiler alert, Tulsa went very well. So like, how did you turn things around (laughs) mentally and physically during that time? Um, So I think the the physical and the mental side just came off the back of of the time I had in the time zone and also in the climate as well so it continued to be very hot in Florida so I had like great conditions to get used to the heat and humidity um I managed to manage my run injuries as well so I got some running in between the two races which was obviously a a, a big confidence boost going into an Ironman knowing you've not done much much running is always a little bit you know, difficult, should we say? Um, so those things, those things all helped. And then, yeah, just just getting to Tulsa, it was that little bit cooler, um, slightly less humid, and then you know, just having other girls around and 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 you know, having that support there was really nice. So. And then coming out of Tulsa, it seems like, you know, with the start list this summer, I know we had chatted because I think you were on the start list maybe for um, Ironman Lake Placid. It sounds like you were ready to go for Bolton as well. So, you know, it it sounds like you were hoping to race, you know, a lot. You maybe hadn't figured out quite where that would be, but quite a bit this summer. So, you know, do you have a strategy right now for your racing? Are you just trying to get experience? You know, you're kind of splitting 70.3 in Ironman. So is there a a distance you're preferring to specialize in at this point? Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I much prefer racing full distance Ironman. Um, that's, I think I need with my with my sort of weakness in the bike at the moment, which I'm working on, but um, with that and, and my strong run, I need that marathon to run back places um, and get that 
that time back. Uh, and I also much prefer the iron distance race. I like the idea of still standing on a start line and being like, you know, there's a lot going on today and, and not being 100% sure whether you're going to complete it. That's in a, in a way nice. It becomes more of a challenge and I build it more up in my head. Um, and that slightly, should we say, slower, uh, less intense form of racing is is definitely more suited to me. Um, in terms of my race plan, it's been a bit all over the place. And, and yeah, I've put my name on start list and then thought better of it or, or been told by um, the new coach that it's probably not the wisest choice to make. And, you know, a, a, and a lot of it's been around as well, like which races we can get to and, and, and things like that. You know, one of the races that I'm looking at was looking at racing and was actually really excited to race in October was Montenegro. Uh, and I was all about ready to click the, the buy button on the flights and then realised it was on the UK red list so actually I wasn't able to travel there um which is really sad because it looks like a super fun course um but yeah I mean that's still that's still a challenge when you're booking races and travel and the uncertainty is still there for sure what about the other race in October Kona you qualified at Tulsa was how was the how are you handling that cancellation or postponement um well it's I have to say qualifying for Kona was definitely not um a goal coming into into Tulsa and and a lot of me is very um aware of the fact I'm probably actually not ready to race Kona as a professional yet but equally it's a really good opportunity to go and get the experience of racing there so from my my perspective and where I'm at it's not my a race and actually for me personally it's um a good opportunity with it being delayed actually because it gives me more time to prepare and I actually maybe put it up there in terms of it being a slightly more of a focus race for me because of that extra time I have to prepare um like I say it was a complete shock to actually qualify and of course I you know the, the place rolled down quite a long way so it's definitely a gift to have that qualification this year I think even if it's unexpected, you definitely deserve to be there. So you can kind of, you can definitely give yourself that, I think. Um, and Tara, we've, we've chatted with a few other pro women this year whose time as a rookie pro was like pretty disjointed, right? Like having a little bit of racing in 2019, but then facing 2020 where the racing was like off the table. So how was that time for you? And what was your approach to training and racing in that time? Yeah, it's been um, it's been very disjointed, actually, since I qualified as a professional um, for, for several reasons, not just because of COVID. But um, shortly after um, after qualifying, I raced my first pro race. Um, I did pretty well, but then I seemed to be suffering from sort of overtraining symptoms and, and started struggling. And I think that was partly because of the stress that I put and pressure I put on myself to actually qualify as a professional. Um, there was a lot of emphasis on that and and I'm not the most patient of people <laughs> if anyone knows me and so I probably rushed that process and enjoyed it not as much as I should have to to get to the end goal um, and then I suffered actually I had plantar fasciitis and I continued to run on it which turned into a stress reaction of the heel bone towards the end of 2019 um, which took Cozumel Ironman out of my um, race diary because my doctor basically said if I race that then I wouldn't be racing for a considerable period of time after. So, um, and then COVID hit just as I was getting back to fitness. So it was like almost an elongated um, stretch of time that I was unable to race, which, you know, isn't going to be a surprise to, to lots of women because obviously, and lots of pros, because a lot of people have similar issues with injuries and illness and things. But 
so that was quite hard because as I was just getting back to fitness and I was ready to go and race Texas in 2020 um, and I was actually out on a training camp with the, with the squad I was with at the time um, as Spain shut down so we'd literally two days into a training camp we just sort of set up and ready to have the week out there and then it was like oh Spain's shutting the bars and restaurants and it's like that's that's not normal <laughs> and that was the start of you know um covid really for me and and it was like a, a rush flight back and not really knowing and yeah it was it was really difficult i'm not gonna lie like triathlon had become my identity and it was it was who i was and and that was taken away from me almost overnight and that was a real challenge um and you start questioning like what the purpose is of training and you know it was very hard to stay focused um for, for that length of time um without the with without the race goal because for me i train to race and i enjoy the training but that the the gift at the end of that is is the race and and seeing how you're doing and, and not having that feedback i found really really challenging so you're putting all this work in but actually um yeah you don't really know how that's how that's improving you um and i wasn't big into the like um challenges or the individual time trials and things like that i struggle quite a lot with that i mean i think i need a race number on to get the best out of myself um so yeah i didn't i didn't buy into that as much but yeah i got through it and i feel like i'm stronger for that so yeah <laughs> And we love talking to to rookie pros about that age group to professional transition. And it seems like from talking to you that as an age grouper, that was your goal. Your goal was to go pro even when you were racing age group. Do we have that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't an age grouper for that long. I only started triathlon in 2016 and I qualified my pro license in 19. So it was quite a, a rapid um move from never having done a triathlon in my life to qualifying as a pro so yeah it was definitely a uh, a goal of mine to get there quite quickly <laughs> and how did that come about was it because you'd seen you knew of other people who were racing pro were you a fan of the sport and you were just like i belong up there did you know that your times would be competitive in the pro field um i think it's i think i saw um improvement in my results quite quickly and I thought well if I'm improving like this as an age grouper then well why can't I be a pro you know and I think the naivety of that was actually the fact that just because you improve from very beginning of triathlon into sort of like winning age group categories and winning overall age group races actually um, it doesn't necessarily mean that those times are going to put you in a good position in a pro field and um that's that is a, a massive thing to consider if you're making the the leap from age group to pro that yeah I was told and I talked to people of course about that that gap and that that change in racing style as well and um I obviously listened to those people but you know you you still want to make the move but it's um it's not as stark as when you actually stood on your first pro start line and all the girls go and you're like oh uh, where's everyone gone and you're all of a sudden biking completely alone when you're used to having you know age groupers around you um for company and just seeing other people on the course it's a very different race so yeah it was, it's a massive massive leap um that was quite challenging and remains to be quite challenging actually as a rookie pro I can definitely relate to that feeling of like watching the women around you and the, you know, the age group ranks, you're like winning an age group. And then you're looking around, you're like over the course of a season or two, well, you know, this woman went pro, like she can do it. I can do it. Cause I wasn't that far away, you know, and not really 
necessarily at that point, right? Knowing everything that was to come, but it seems like, you know, you've, you've definitely made the right decision. And I'm curious because it seems like one of the things that has really clicked for you from the age group racing to the pro racing is your run. And so is that something you had consciously been focusing on? Had you done specific training to like really dial that in over this last season or two? Um, you know, I guess, how did you, you know, how have you seen that progress coming? Um, so the progress this year has actually been slightly unsuspected, uh, unexpected, to be honest. Um, so Finland was um, a bit of a surprise. I mean, it was a, and it felt really easy in a, you know, I very much felt in control and um, yeah, it, you know, it was it was a great run and I didn't fade. Um, but I haven't specifically been training my run, um, partly because I get so many run injuries recently. Um, so that's been quite that's been quite difficult um, to manage. And I've just had to get on with that. But what I found actually has really helped my run just recently is actually increasing my aerobic bike miles. So just by by virtue of going out on my bike. Um, more and more is actually meant that I can I can improve my run um, without actually doing a lot of extra run miles, um, which has been really nice. Tara, you've mentioned the run injuries quite a bit, and I am just curious, like when you're going into an Ironman, a full marathon, like you were in Finland, and the week before you aren't sure you're going to race. Like, what are you? What what kind of what are you doing? I guess in that time, like physically and mentally. And because obviously you did get yourself on that start line. So I'm curious, like what's going through your head, like the different scenarios and what are you doing to kind of test your, your injury to make sure that hopefully you are okay for by the time race day happens, which might only be a couple days away. Um, yeah. So, I mean, into Finland, I was doing a lot of self care and self maintenance, which actually has been something I haven't focused on enough really in the past and, and needs to become more of a integral part of my training. And it definitely, especially as I'm getting older, needs to not be neglected. So there was a lot of stretching and activation work and rolling, um, a lot of icing and compression going on. Um, I mean, I was running in compression calf guards and things like this into the race just to do anything I could to support the injury I had and just give it every chance to sort of settle down. Um, we also backed off any intensity really um, into in, in the running. So there was like no speed work. A lot of it was just go out and run um and if there was any pain at all you know it was that sort of like input from the coach to say just just bin the session like it's not worth making an injury worse or aggravating it at all um this close to a race and and it was very much just day on day um checking in and making sure that you know I was improving and not not getting worse and and managing that that injury into the race and, and getting to a point where I was confident I could run um I think I did a set of like 5 by 15 minutes um of inside a long run Ironman pace and once I was comfortable I could do that then I was like okay we can we can now race we can book the flights and go and that was only a week before so you know yeah it was a bit touch and go so <laughs> yeah and Tara you said that your first triathlon was in 2016 so what was your or what is your background in sport did you grow up as an athlete and then you know kind of how did you find your way to triathlon um, yeah, interestingly, I don't come from a sporting background and I don't come from a sporting family. You know, I know a lot of pro women have played 
hockey or you know road or something in their prior lives like I've always been an active child um I did a bit of swimming when I was younger but nothing particularly competitive um I did gymnastics and trampolining you know I was always wanting to be involved in sport and stuff but it was never it was never a like key focus in my life particularly and I was the kid at school that when we had this thing at a primary school where it was like um or secondary school I think it was and we had to do the 12 minute run in PE lesson and that that felt horrendous like the idea of running 12 whole minutes was just too much for my brain was to it to get they just compute. look at how far you could get in 12 minutes we didn't have that in the US <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just we, we basically run around the the playing field at school and then we'd get to go outside of the school and run around to where we would um do the occasional swim swim lesson um MP lessons it was just it was random I'm not sure why 12 minutes and I'm not sure what the the purpose of the session was actually I think it was just seeing if we could all run for 12 whole minutes and I think the idea was to run as far as you could in those 12 minutes but for a lot of us it was just getting through 12 minutes and I was also the one actually um I joined a run club when I was um working when I just finished uni and um I was the one where people would say like oh they're entering London Marathon or they're doing an ultra marathon and I was the one stood there saying like I can't I can't comprehend even running a marathon that that sounds why would you want to do that was my question to them and then went on to get involved sort of in um I did some ultra marathons myself and mountain ultras and stage races and things before triathlon became a thing in my life um so yeah, I mean, I guess I have done some running, um, and I've, but it, it all came in my later life. It definitely wasn't something I grew up with. Was there something that changed it to go from being the person being like, oh, that person in the office is crazy, to being the person who, like you said, triathlon became your identity? Like, was there a catalyst, or what? Did you wake up one day and you're like, I want to run, or or was it someone you met, or something more random than that? Um, so it was actually uh, I was working in London in a um, in a professional role in insurance. And so I studied actuarial science at university and went straight into work. So I never took a gap year. And so uh, and, and actuarial science at uni isn't exactly a course that you can do a lot of partying. You know, we were doing 25 hours at uni and, you know, I had a part time job as well. And then we'd have 25 hours of coursework to get through in a week. So it definitely wasn't the party university experience. And so when I got into my first job, it was like, well, I need to party now because I didn't do it at uni. And I got myself into a little bit of a um, a rut with the partying, shall we say, at, at work. And um, I mean, my boss kind of just kindly said to me that you know that's fine if that's how you want to be but um it's not really kind of appreciated in the office I was working in and you know I needed to kind of sort things out and I think that was the catalyst and and overnight I actually um I stopped drinking uh, completely I just didn't go to the pub anymore didn't drink at all and joined a climbing club um because I decided I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro randomly and um so in London, I joined the mountaineering club because I thought, well, I need to train for this. And um, yeah, uh, found out that they don't actually do a lot of walking in the week because, of course, we were based in London. But they offered for me to go and train with them at the climbing wall. Um, and I just took like that, to, took to that like duck to water. And I was climbing overhangs and all sorts and escaping London every weekend to get out to rock and to climb and and that was kind of the start of my sporting career shall we say and that then turned into going and doing a ski season and 
and quitting my job to do that and <laughs> then then when I came back I got into running and yeah it was a bit of a mess for a while um because it's probably not the course my mum probably expected me to take after doing such a, a a dedicated degree but yeah it was the right path for me so well, and I have to say that as someone who studied math in college, and then I, I thought I wanted to be an actuary, which I'm assuming is like the same thing as what you were doing. And I took the, I took the first test. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I took the first test to become an actuary. And I'm, I'm not even going to give the listeners so much as telling them exactly how I scored, but we'll say I quickly gave up that dream of becoming an actuary. <laughs> So, and moved yeah. on to, to a banking career with my math degree, but, um, that's super impressive. And I, you know, it sounds like maybe that boss that gave you that advice was in the end, like, you know, the partying, it sounds like you left your job with the sporting stuff afterwards anyway. Right. But at least it was, yeah. it sounds like a more fulfilling and kind of healthier path for you to be on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was definitely a massive, um, it was a pretty shift in my life, you know, a, a complete complete change and actually I really I'm glad that I got that advice given to me because it's put me on a different path and actually more recently um I mean I've had a few jobs since that all happened um being a little bit older now but um just recently I actually COVID allowed me to sort of save up some money to support myself and rearrange my life and actually I've just recently gone full-time so I quit my job in June in the professional uh, arena um, which was still in banking and yeah I'm I'm now unemployed or employed differently shall we say <laughs> so that's been a, a massive uh, a massive change actually um, which I'm still bedding in and getting used to but it's great <laughs> I like employed differently are you this might be a kind of a personal question but all these questions are personal are you still sober um so I do yeah I do drink um I do have a glass of wine but um that's one of the things about Kona actually so I I was still should we say sober um I mean sound like an alcoholic I wasn't <laughs> but, but yeah I um I basically was still not drinking when I did Kona last time so I definitely didn't make the most of the after party and that's one of the things it sounds awful but one of the reasons I want to go back to Kona is to do it properly and and to to you know to have the whole experience and you know do the things I didn't do last time while I'm still a rookie pro I mean obviously my my goal is to go and race as hard as I can and be as competitive as I can be with my current situation but and, and level that I'm at but actually a lot of it is about just doing all the things I missed out doing last time because of where I was at and did you climb Kilimanjaro <laughs> interestingly no I never did I, I've climbed other mountains so I did Mont Blanc um a couple of years ago with one of my girlfriends and um I've done Tady and yeah so I've done some other mountains and I did a lot of rock climbing but actually the rock climbing overtook from the dream I think it was more um the fact that I just needed to change my lifestyle actually um so yeah <laughs> And Tara, you mentioned leaving your professional career to go full-time with triathlon. It seems like that's a big change you're still getting used to. You've also mentioned a new coach. Um, can you tell us, like, did those things go hand in hand? Um, no. So the new coach is, is very recent. And actually, I was self-coaching into Tulsa. Um, so, yeah, I, it was qualifying for Kona that made me think I was doing myself an injustice by not having some outside input into um what I was doing so the way I was coaching into Tulsa was I was writing my coaching and then I had a sounding board of a good friend who does all my bike and aero fitting who would like 
check my coaching of myself if that makes sense um and then yeah so I the coach the, the coach thing was definitely after I qualified for Kona and I thought I need some input from someone who knows better than I do about racing as a professional in Kona and 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 sort of at that level so that's a very new thing going back into being coached how's it been so far is it really different or is it a more similar to what you were doing um it's it's quite different um so he's definitely more into getting me to do he's he's got me to ride my bike a lot more put it that way (laughs) so that's very different and that's fed through into my running which has been great the swimming's definitely different to what I was doing we do a lot of change of pace work in sessions which has been really really valuable and I think it's really helping me um and yeah, just I think that having that accountability, so you know, not wanting to miss a session because you're you're paying for that input. So actually, um, wanting to be, shall we say, good and not sort of say, well, I'm too tired today. I think there's been one day which was after a 20-hour drive um, just recently um, that I missed a day's training. But apart from that, you know, I've done everything I've been told and and tried as hard as I can to hit the numbers and complete the times and sessions on 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 the given days. So. It's it's been quite different because when I was self-coaching, there was a lot more flexibility in it. Um, and there was a lot more sort of, shall we say, understanding my body in terms of like if I was feeling tired. But of course, you can you can always get that wrong in terms of just because you're feeling tired doesn't mean you shouldn't train. Um, sometimes it's about training and fatigue and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is quite different, but it's been good. I'm really enjoying it. And Tara, while you were racing the weekend um, at Zell MZ with the Collins, the Collins Cup was happening. And so did you follow along with that? Did you watch after the fact? I mean, Team Europe did quite well with the Brits holding down several great performances for the women. So do you have any thoughts on getting to watch that unfold? Um, yeah, so I did follow it a little bit. To be honest, I didn't I didn't manage to watch it. Um partly because I don't have Eurosport and I didn't want to sign up for a Eurosport account, um, which maybe is the wrong way of looking at it but um I did follow on like the try 247 tracker and all the PTO updates on on Instagram and things like that and um yeah it was really exciting to watch and obviously it was a it was a massive race for um for the triathlon community to be happening so it was it was nice as well and it's very inspirational to seeing those uh those girls putting out those splits and racing like that and the head-to-head format was really exciting as well so yeah it was um it was fun to watch And Tara, we know that everything is quite in flux these days, but do you know what is next on your calendar or what you're thinking of for the next couple of months? Do you have any races planned? Yeah. So again, it's been a bit of a throwing races in the diary uh, (laughs) and hoping something sticks and there's been a lot of planning and replanning. But I'm uh, planning to head out at the end of this month to challenge Salu, uh, which maybe not the best course for me being um, very very flat and probably a biker's course but um, I do quite like a lapped bike course and a lap run course so I'm quite excited about that to have to see how I go on sort of a flat fast course Um, and then two weeks after that I'm planning to race um, Challenge Paguera and then a week after that I'm planning on racing um, 70.3 Cascais Um, and then I'm gonna have a break (laughs) a little rest we just we've recently spoke with Taylor Nib and she's on the race a lot plan too and it's working for her so you know I have no doubt that when you're fit you know use it and and race a good bit and get that experience and um Tara we're we're excited that you know no one I don't think wanted Kona postponed but I do think it's going to be exciting to give 
uh, some of the women like yourself, some a little bit more time to to feel a little bit more confident going into that in February now. So um, we wish you all the best with with the upcoming races and that Kona prep. And we'll definitely link to your Instagram so our listeners can follow along as well. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited about the prep, if I'm honest, and, and getting a winter training camp in. I mean, there's a great opportunity there to get out of the UK in the English winter. So, yeah, it's um, it's I'm looking forward to it. and. Uh, seeing the dolphins again and swimming out there and the asahi bowls and all the great things so i'm just hoping it doesn't get postponed again Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff yes i have been jealous i have a great primary care physician but i'll admit sometimes i'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits me too and that's why i'm excited inside tracker is here Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/ironwomen and get started. The Iron Women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural-born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim-run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. And Haley, since we caught up with Tara, she also raced last weekend at Challenge Ceylon and was the eighth pro. So she added another top 10 finish. Uh, she was 414 there. So great, great race for her. It looks like they did cancel the swim and had a run bike run situation going on over there. But um, great job, Tara. And thanks for coming on the show. Yes, best of luck. And I hope you're looking at uh, looking forward to a great world championship in St. George next May. But uh yeah, fun to catch up with new athletes on the circuit. Alyssa, good luck to you in your race this weekend, your adventure race. Hopefully you can bank some sleep coming, you know, before that and coming out of that. But I'm looking forward to hearing about it next week. Thanks, Haley. And everyone, send us your mailbag questions, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for supporting us, supporting our sponsors, telling your friends. And Haley, I'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.